Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today, we're going to teach on another value, the value of generosity. So if you're taking notes, at the top of your notes, write kingdom values to live by, and beneath that, the value of generosity. Before we go into the lesson, though, I would like to reiterate once again so that we can get it into our hearts. The, the definition of values. Can anybody stand up and tell me what the definition of values are? I've mentioned this over and over again. But can you really define what values are when we talk about values? Anyone? So I'm going to repeat it again until somebody stands up and quotes it to me. Sorry? It's a what? Yes. In short, yes. That's right. Values are a set of beliefs and practices that we treasure and consider to be important as they form the foundation for the way in which we live our lives. Amen? In other words, they are what a person considers highly important in his life, and therefore he esteems that as precious and honorable. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, where your values are, that's where your heart will gravitate. Meaning that what we consider in our life as valuable, as precious and worthy of respect, our hearts, our, our inner man, the real man within us, will embrace that value will embrace it and pursue those values with vigor and passion. Let me also say this. Kingdom of God values are the foundation of Christian character and spiritual maturity. Your values determine the kind of person you are. And your values will shape your personality or your character. And your character, in turn, will determine your behavior. In other words, you cannot change a person until you change his value system. Amen? Praise God. Now, everything in your life is founded on the values you embrace and you hold dear to your heart. Your commitments are based on your values. Your investments, both monetary and time-wise, are based on what you consider as precious, as worthy of honor and respect. Amen? And again, we mentioned several times, there are only two sets of values. The one is a worldly value system that is based on the fallen nature of man. 
The other value system is God's value system and is based on the righteousness of God. Amen? Only two value systems. And the Word of God in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 tells us, or commands us, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Notice that that is a command. It is not a suggestion. The only way we can do that, setting our affection on things above, not on things on the earth, is by embracing a kingdom value system by which we choose to live our lives on this side of heaven. That's the only way you can set your affection on things above, when you love what God loves and hate what God hates. Amen? I know as believers in Christ, we love what God loves. It's in our nature. But very often we do not hate what God hates. And we must come to that place where we hate with passion what God hates. Amen? God hates iniquity. God hates injustice. Hello? So we must not only love what God loves, but as Christians we must hate what God hates. Now, today we will study, as I said, the value of generosity. This is one of the foundational values of the kingdom of God. Now, the word generous is defined from the dictionary as liberal in giving or sharing. Liberal in giving or sharing. It also means to be unselfish. It also means to be free from meanness or smallness of mind or character. Another word for generous is the word magnanimous. Now, our Heavenly Father is known throughout the Scriptures. And if you are a student of the Bible, you will know that our Heavenly Father is generous. How many of you can say amen to that? He is generous in mercy. He is generous in grace. He is generous in forgiveness. He is generous in love, in spirit, in kindness, but also in substance. There is nothing about God that is mean or stingy. He is altogether generous. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9, tells us, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He is slow to anger and great in mercy, or generous in mercy. The Lord is good to all. Notice the word all. Not just to Christians, but to all. No exception. He causes His Son to shine, the Bible says, on the just and the unjust. Makes no difference. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So God is generous and good to all. And His tender mercies are over all of His works. Praise God. The Bible also says that because God so loved the world, what did He do? He gave. He gave. What did He give? The very best that He had. He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. Amen? You will always find God on the giving side. He loves to give, and he lives to give. That's who God is. That's his nature. Romans 8, verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us how many things? All things. Wow. That's our Heavenly Father. Now let me make a statement here. To the measure he is allowed to live within us, we will be the same as he is. Generous both in spirit and in substance. You remember somebody walked up to Jesus and said, good master, good teacher, and what did Jesus say to him? Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. And let me say this. Any measure of goodness that we have within our lives is from God and through God. It's His goodness living in us, flowing in us. And to the measure and to the degree God is allowed to live in us and to work through us will be the measure of generosity that will flow from us to other people. So it's not your generosity, it's not mine, it's God's generosity working and flowing through a believer who's totally surrendered and yielded to the Lord within him. We need to understand that. Generosity, therefore, should be one of the most outstanding characteristics of God's people, regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. You're generous because your father is generous. You know, children of the devil will always act like the devil, right? So it shouldn't surprise us when a sinner acts like the devil because it's in his nature. Amen? But it should surprise us when a born-again child of God acts like the devil because it's not in our nature. Amen? We should act like our heavenly father acts. Being kind, being generous, being loving, being forgiving. Amen. Because that's who God is. And if you're a child of God, then you have the nature of God within you. And it's not surprising that you walk in this world as Christ walks. Hello? Right. Now, I believe that Christians are called to exemplify generosity on every level of human existence. Whenever and wherever you see the love of God that is expressed and displayed, you will always find generosities present. God so loved, and because He loved, He gave. Whenever you see the love of God manifested or expressed in any human being, you will always find generosity present whether it's generosity in spirit, in forgiving, in loving, in being kind, in being generous. So when we speak about generosity, we don't just speak one facet of generosity, the giving of your substance. It's spirit and substance together. Amen? Now, 
I have written the, uh, this, this statement. Generosity, therefore, is the life and the nature of God flowing through us as we yield to the grace of God that lives within us. Generosity is the life, the very nature of God flowing through the believer as we yield to His grace that is alive within us. Now let's look at a vivid example from the New Testament in establishing this very fact that I have just mentioned to you. The fact that generosity is the life of God flowing through the believer or through the church. And um, to establish this, we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. It's, it's so evidently clear, this, this truth, this principle that I'm sharing with you. And I'm reading from the message translation. Do you have the message? Yes, you do. Okay. Now, Paul is writing to the churches in Corinth. And he's bragging about the churches in Macedonia. He says, now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit, and the trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains, it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. What a beautiful picture of God's generosity living and flowing through these churches in Macedonia. In fact, wherever Paul went, he bragged about the Macedonians that they were a generous bunch of people. And he explains it why. He says, this, this incredible grace of generosity came as a result of them yielding themselves unreservedly to the Lord and to us, his apostles. In other words, they were completely surrendered to the Lord and allowed the Lord to flow through them. And, he, flew, and he, 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 flew, he flowed through them in generosity because that was the need at that particular time. Now, but please notice the first passage we just read concerning the churches in order to establish what I just 
told you, the statement that I made, that the grace of generosity is God's flowing through us. It's not ours. It's His. We need to understand that. Now, the, the first passage we read, it says that God was working in surprising and generous ways within these churches. Who was working in them? God was working. The grace of generosity was mightily at work through these believers. Amen? Now, let's look at that also in the New King James Version, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of the liberality. Do you see that? Saying the same thing in different words. It was God's grace flowing richly and abundantly through these folks, manifesting in great generosity, but not Notice, it was in the midst of great trial and poverty. These people were poor. They were not reached by any standard. They were poor people. But generosity flowed out of them, even in their great trial and poverty. Why? Because they gave themselves to the Lord and to the apostles that were sent to them. Do you see it? Some people say, well, I can't give. I don't have anything. You always have something. Always. Always have something. So, none of us in the natural, I believe, can be generous to the extent that these folks were. Unless the grace of generosity and liberality of God is allowed to flow through our lives. So generosity is Christ's grace within us that releases whatever is needed at the time to help someone in need. Example, if it's forgiveness they need, we give it generously and willingly, not grudgingly. I forgive. Regardless of what you've done to me, what you said about me, I choose to forgive you liberally and generously. I do not withhold forgiveness from you because God lives within me and He's generous in forgiveness. Amen? None of us have suffered like Jesus suffered. Amen? And yet... Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. He was generous in forgiveness. If it's kindness and understanding they need, we give it generously without holding back. If it's daily provision they need, we release it generously if and when it's in our means. We don't say, well, go be filled and be warmed, as James says, and we do nothing about it. Or we will find ten and one excuses why we should not give. Hello? We need to exercise wisdom in giving and discernment 
But the Word of God says, if your brother has need and you shut up the bowels of your heart, how does the love of God dwell in you? Amen? So, Paul said it this way, going back again to the statement I made, it is not I, but Christ now lives in me. Christ's generosity, Christ's forgiveness, Christ's kindness flowing through us daily and continuously as we continue to yield to the grace of God who lives within us. Amen? And here again, the Apostle John said the following concerning this matter. Let's read it to you from the Bible. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through to 18. He says, By this we know love, because he laid down our life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see that? So it is the love of God within us acting on the behalf of those in need. And God's love expresses himself through acts of generosity towards others. We're talking about the value of generosity, folks. Amen? And should be one of the fundamental values of every born-again believer. Somebody say amen, please. Amen. These Macedonian believers, the word says, came under severe trials, pushing them to the limits. But in the midst of these great trials, God's grace just flowed richly through them. In fact, he says, they pleaded with us <laughs> to take their gifts. I've been in ministry over 30 years. I have never seen, maybe except one or two folks, <laughs> who pleaded with me to take their money. Hello? These folks, Paul didn't, didn't ask, they themselves responded without Paul asking. And he says, they pleaded with us to take their gifts. Wow. Isn't that amazing? God was so much alive in these folks. They, they, they put their faith right on the line. Amen. So as believers, we need to ask ourselves, is generosity one of my values? Do I consider myself a generous person? And if I do, by what standards do I measure that generosity? Hey? How is God's generosity expressed or released through me? Amen? Paul, the apostle, said in Acts 20, 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Because giving positions you in a place of receiving. That's why it's more blessed. Giving, being generous, positions us in a place of being able to receive. Well, Jesus said that. I didn't say that. 
He said in Luke 6.38, look, notice what he says. He said, give, and then what happens? And it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, the measure of generosity you show to others will be the measure of generosity that will come back to you, and much more than that. Do we really believe that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Something to think about. Now I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about the rewards of generosity. There are tremendous rewards for those who walk in this value or in this principle. And the Bible teaches that. There are scriptures throughout the Old and the New Testament of examples and of teaching of how God honors and rewards richly the generous soul. Proverbs 11:25 says, "The generous soul will be made rich." And he who waters will also be watered himself. Now, the word rich means abundantly supplied with resources. That's what it means. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters others will himself be watered. Again, Isaiah 32 verse 8 but a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. There is an outstanding example of a man in the book of Acts of how God honors and rewards generosity. In fact, whole chapter 10 was written about this man. The whole chapter was written about this man by the name of, anybody knows? No, Cornelius. Cornelius. Let's read about this man. We, just, we can't read the whole chapter, but we will read just a few verses. If you're a Bible student, you, you know what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all of his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter, and he is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Now remember, Cornelius was a centurion, a Roman citizen, and considered by Jews at that time as an unclean or an outsider. But this man, the Bible says, he prayed to the God he did not know yet. He feared God. He must have observed the Jews, how they worshiped God. And for one reason or another, remember, he was not a believer. He was not born again as we know. And 
He prayed. He prayed to the God that he did not know personally yet, but he also gave generously alms to those in need. As a result, God sends an angel to Cornelius' house and announces to him, listen to this, he said, your prayers and generosity have risen before God and God established a memorial on your behalf. What is a memorial? A memorial means something designed to preserve the memory of a person. So, here we conclude, he prayed, he didn't just pray, but he gave. And when he mixed his prayer with giving, there was something that was raised before God, and God remembered him. And as a result, sent an angel, and notice, the angel instructed him and gave him instructions to call Peter the apostle, whom Peter came to his house later on after much persuasion because he didn't want to go to a Gentile's home, and God had to show him a vision and intervene, and then he went into Cornelius and showed him the way of salvation. Not just for Cornelius, but for his entire family. In fact, Cornelius was the man who opened the door through his prayers and through his generosity for the Gentiles to be saved. No other Gentile was saved before that time. He was the first man, and he was the open door through which the gospel came to the Gentiles afterwards. Would you call that a rich reward? I know that when we mix our prayers... The Bible teaches with acts of generosity, something supernatural takes place in the realm of the Spirit, and heaven is moved on our behalf. And we see this phenomena over and over throughout the Scriptures. May I take you back to the widow in 1 Kings chapter 17? There was a widow. She had one son. There was severe drought in the land, three and a half years, there was no rain, and people were dying all around her of starvation. And this, this widow had one meal left. So Elijah shows up at her door and knocks on the door, and he says, please bring me a glass of water. So she runs, she brings him some water. But when Elijah said, make me a cup, make me a small cake, I'm hungry, she said, I'm sorry, but all I have is one last meal, and it's for me and my son. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Imagine, she had no faith whatsoever at all. So Elijah said, no, go as you said. Go and make the cake. Go and bake the bread. But first, give to me, and then you eat. Well, she obeyed. She didn't hold back even her last meal. She gave it to the prophet. And as a result, heaven was moved and supernatural provision came into that house day after day and both the widow and her son and the prophet ate for many days until God sent rain on the earth. People were dying all around her. Why didn't she die? Why didn't she die? She was preserved from death through her act of generosity. That tells us something, doesn't it? 
The Bible says that blessed is the man who has pity on the poor, and he who lends to the poor, the Lord will repay him. Amen? Paul writing to the church in Philippi. Let's look at another example in regards to the generosity, and he says the following. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through to 19, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Imagine that. Paul traveled all the known world at that time. He planted many churches. He ministered to many churches. The only church that supported him, he says, was the Philippians. And you know, the Philippi is up in Macedonia region. He says, you're the only church. Listen to what he says. No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Many Christians claim this promise, verse 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But this promise was not given to every believer. It was given to those who support and are generous and are giving. Now, if you are not generous, you can't claim this promise. He says, because you supported me, because you sent aid to me again and again, now I'm making you a promise. My God, the God whom I serve, the God who delivered me from death, the God who has appeared to me shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And notice what Paul says. He labels their generosity. Notice, he says, it is a sweet-smelling aroma. It is an acceptable sacrifice. And it is well-pleasing to God. I've said this many times. Imagine the stench of sin in the spiritual realm that goes up to God every single day. And in the midst of that stench, there is a sweet-smelling aroma that arises in God's nostrils of our gifts and of our generosity. It's well-pleasing, he says, an acceptable sacrifice. And then he gives them a promise saying, my God shall supply all your need. Now, what I see here is their generosity gave them access into God's riches in glory. They were allowed to access God's riches in the glory realm. Not according to earth's economy, but according to heaven's economy. Their generosity was the key that unlocked that door. And God will unlock it for you if you adopt the value of generosity and live by these values of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. 
I say that the acts of generosity are never overlooked by the Lord, but when they are done with the right attitude and with the right motive, they are richly rewarded. And you know the temptation will always be present to close our hearts and our hands and hold back in our giving. In fact, as I was preparing this message, I remembered um, a member of our church years, years ago that I went to visit, and the question of tithing came up, and uh, so we presented the principle of giving to the Lord and, and honoring the Lord with the tithes, and, and then we left. And years later, he said to me, you know, Pastor, the temptation was always there. You know, this person had great love for motor cars, and then he, the enemy was tempting him, you know, you know what you can do with this money? You can buy this car that you've always wanted. But you know, he said, you know, Pastor, I have obeyed. I did it by faith. It, now he flows in it. He doesn't even have to think about it. And I've seen the rewards of this man's generosity. <laughs> Praise God. But when we realize, you know, the temptation is always there to close your heart. Why? Because of fear, because of insecurity. Well, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, you better, you know, just, just hold back. But when we realize that this is who we are, who are we? We are children of the living God. We walk like our heavenly Father does. And this is what we do. Why? Because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And generosity will then become a way of life for us. Paul, in his exhortation to the Corinthians, he writes the following in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. And he says to them, As you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, See that you may abound in this grace also. Speaking about the grace of generosity. So it is the Lord's desire for us to grow in it. Just like you grow in love, you grow in knowledge, you grow in wisdom, you grow in your faith and in your dependence in God. So the Lord wants us to grow in this value of generosity. He says that you abound and grow in it. Don't let this area of your life just remain stagnant. Stretch your faith and grow in it. It's the desire of the Lord. And so my prayer this morning for all of us, I know, and I always brag about our generous congregation. Do you know that we have a generous fellowship? When I tell people, when, 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 when I share with pastors and they talk to me, and you know how many pastors, they struggle financially? Because the congregations have not learned the value of generosity. But not here. And I thank God for this wonderful group of people. Amen. I'm not teaching this to you today because you're not generous. I am teaching it so that you may grow in it. Amen. So that you may see the value and the rewards 
and the honor God bestows upon those who flow in this valley of generosity. Amen? Amen. So it is my heart, my prayer, that we will always be open, both in spirit and in substance, and we will live with an open hand, not a closed fist. Let's stand and thank the Lord for His generosity towards us. And ask Him that this grace of generosity may abound within us, may flow within us wherever the need arises. I, I didn't want to say this, but I, I feel prompted to say it. We've been in discussions with our cluster. Uh, and our cluster takes care of 40 orphans in Malawi every day. They provide clothing. They provide food. They provide uh, mothers to take care of them. And they asked us to partner with them. And so we are in the process now of partnering with them. It will take us some time to go through. We need to um, change a few things. And so we're going to partner with them to take care of these 40 orphans every single month. Aren't you excited that we are asked to do that? And I, I felt when they asked us, I felt that it was the Lord asking us, would you help us, would you partner with us to take care of these poor folks? You know, Malawi is the poorest country in Africa, the poorest. Orphans, they are abandoned. Mothers and fathers die because of illness or AIDS, and so they're left in the street. And we're talking about deep into the rural areas. So just be praying about that, will you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace of generosity toward us, that when we were in need, you didn't just say, I love you, but because of your generous heart, you did not withhold your only son, but gave him up for us all. And the word says, how shall you not with him freely give us all things? What words can we give you today to express our gratitude, our appreciation for your generosity, Lord? You're generous in your mercy toward us. You're generous in your grace. You're generous in your forgiveness. You're generous in your love and kindness. You're generous by giving us all good things to enjoy. So we bless you and we praise you today. And we pray, Father, that we may, we may be like you. We may, we may grow into the likeness of Christ when it comes to this value and this grace of generosity. Let this value grow within us. Enable us to flow in it so naturally, Father, as you flow in it, because we are in you and you are in us. We yield ourselves to you today, and we ask you, Father, let us be aware. Let us live with, with the awareness of this so that we may display generosity whenever and wherever the need arises. And we ask this in the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. And everybody said, Amen, amen Lord, and Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. 
For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.